1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, cut the world over from yeah. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than yourself. Bigger. Welcome
2: to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
1: Father, I thank you for meeting needs today. I thank you for opening eyes and illuminating hearts. We came here because we love you. We came here because we want to get to know you better. So, Father, in these moments, Father, answer the cry of our heart. We want to know you, and, Father, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We give you all the honor for what you do through the teaching of the word today. In Jesus' name we pray, we all say, Amen. Amen. So, Acts chapter 7 and verse 54 Luke wrote the book of Acts. Actually, the book of Acts is kind of part two of the book of Luke. So uh, they kind of came together as a package. And Luke is writing by the Holy Spirit. When they heard these things, now I couldn't start at the top. We'd be here probably to around 2 o'clock. But Stephen uh, was about to become the first martyr in church history. And his major crime, the thing that he did that was so evil, was that he taught that Jesus was greater than Moses. He taught that Jesus was greater than the temple. And we actually see this a little further up. He taught that Jesus was greater than Jewish tradition. He taught that Jesus was greater than the fulfillment, or actually was the fulfillment of the law. And he taught that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And everybody was upset about this message because people were listening. There was a wisdom in Stephen that folks could not resist, and the power of God was moving in his life. And uh, uh, the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. Now, if you're not exposed to messages that sometimes cut you, you're not exposed to messages that are going to grow you. So, so it takes sometimes a little cutting in order for us to grow. But also, I, I, I miss saying something. When, when Stefan was pressed on these issues, uh, you know, Sanhedrin was sitting there, 70, you know, robe bearded, uh, scholars, a powerful group of men. Instead of backing up, Stefan actually dug in and he gave the longest speech in the entire book of Acts. He talked about things people didn't really want to talk about in those times, namely how how the Jewish people, like each of us, had so often rejected God. And he was getting at, just like you rejected God in the past, you've now rejected the Messiah. And they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their what? Teeth. The further we drift from the truth, the more we hate people who speak it. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit is a lot more than just speaking in other tongues. It's about having enough God in you when people attack you, hurt you, speak evil of you, uh, use you, and do all manner of evil, put the squeeze on you. It's the character of God that flows out. See what you're full of when pressure comes and what comes out. So if what's coming out of you is not right, pay attention to what's being put in. Pay attention now. And Stefan gazed into heaven, and in this I mean, people are mad at him. Um, he's before this August body, and he, he didn't seem to make a lot of friends. And in that moment, Stephen gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus, the man he had been preaching, standing at the right hand of God. Some say Jesus stood up to give him a standing ovation. But here's what I learned. When life is its unfairest, we get a chance to see Jesus the clearest. When we're weak, he is. Verse 47, 57, then they cried out, it's an angry crowd, these are the intellects, these are the academics, but there's also common folks amongst them and, 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 and everyone's upset and they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears like children and ran at Stephan with one accord. Why? Why? Because truth sounds like hate to people who hate the truth. I'm going to get nicer as I go on, but these are realities we must deal with in our age. And they cast Stephen out of the city and stoned him. These are real rocks. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now this is the first mention, or Bible mention, of this man, this young man here, named Saul. And by Saul taking the coats of those who were about to stone Stephen, he was actually acting as the corner man for all that was about to transpire. So uh, he is... Uh, uh, instigating this thing and he's cheering this thing on and again they literally took rocks and stoned Stephen. and that's a whole procedure the way they did it but it was brutal but here's what i want to say salvation is free you heard me say this before but sometimes following jesus can cost you everything but Stephen was willing to pay the price you got to ask yourself are you willing Am I willing to pay the price? Skip to Acts 8 and 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Now the original language here says more than the English language translation here. Because Saul did not just agree here. The Greek speaks of one who took a special pleasure in making this happen. Meaning Saul took a sick pleasure in Stephen's death. On the surface, Saul, who we know as Paul, was a respectable, upstanding, respected member of the Sanhedrin. The Bible calls him a Pharisee of Pharisees. When he came into the room, people stood up. He's part of the the leading religious council of the nation. But underneath it all, Saul was a sick puppy. Verse 3. As for Saul, and you can look as respectable as you want, God knows what's going on on the inside. Yep. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. And this word havoc, just like the the, the word uh, uh, consenting, is, is 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 missing some elements because when you go to the original language, it was a very descriptive term here used of what Saul was doing, and the term here uh, "havoc" describes a a wild animal ripping at its prey, not just a bite ripping at its prey. Saul put the V on villain. He put the C on corruption. Saul was a bad man. Entering every house and dragging off men and women. The only thing worse than than, than harming an innocent man is harming an innocent woman. Committing them to prison. Now, prison was a death sentence in those days. You didn't get out typically after you went in. Saul was a very, very, very bad man. Acts chapter 9. Verse 1, then Saul, still breathing threats, bad breath, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So what happens here, or what happened here, is Saul began to get evangelistic in his hate. He wanted to go to his, another city 150 miles uh, away in order to, to begin to do there what he had begun to do in Jerusalem. So that if he found anyone who are of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. This was cancel culture on steroids. As he journeyed and he came near to Damascus to do his, 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 his evil work, Suddenly, out of nowhere, a light shone around him from heaven. Now, they couldn't stop him from earth, but didn't stop God in heaven. You hear what I'm saying? And there's some situations in this life you can't stop from earth. But if you begin to appeal to the one who sits high and looks low, if you appeal to the one who sits in heaven, you have a chance. Obviously, the church was praying. Obviously, people were calling on that name Stephen was preaching about. And suddenly a light shone around him from, 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 from heaven. I think God finally had enough of Saul. How many of you know everyone doesn't understand nice? Yeah. So, so God's like, I'm about to speak in your language. And God had to get rough. And he's saying, if you don't understand nice, God does still know the vocabulary of rough. He knows how to speak in every language. Sometimes he's so hard because that's all we understand. It's not because he's mean. It's because that's the only thing we get. You hear what I'm saying? So God is like, okay, so I hear you, 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 are a tough guy. Let's see about tough. It says light shines. I want you to imagine a light so bright that it overshadows the desert sun. I mean, the sun, God couldn't create a light brighter than himself, just like God can't create a stone too big for him to lift. So the sun in all his glory doesn't come close to the radiance of the Almighty. And then the sun comes and it shines and actually the Bible says he gets blinded. Like I said, you don't want to understand? Nice. We could do it the hard way. And he fell to the ground, blinded. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. The repetition lets us know that it was a very intense voice. And and God probably said it firmly, but there there was love in it, but there was a strength to it. There was intensity to the Saul, 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 Saul. Why? Why, Saul, why are you persecuting? Have you lost your mind? Are you really going to fight against God? Saul, in all your learning and education, you ain't learned that you can't mess with the almighty God. Saul, Saul, as deep as you are, as smart as you are, as powerful as you are, have you done the math? Why are you persecuting me? What have I done to you, Saul? Saul? So where is all this anger coming from? So what is your real problem? So your real problem is not really Christians. The real problem is in you. And he continued to speak. Well, he responded, "I'm sorry." When the Lord spoke, He said, Who are you, Lord? This is this this is this guy sat on the Sanhedrin. This was the head of the denomination. To be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. You had to be brilliant. But don't confuse knowing a few favorite Bible verses with knowing God. Again, he knew some things from the book, but obviously he didn't know God. Because when God appeared, it's like, who? And many of us, when we get the glory, and when we see him face, we are like, who? You're not the, I thought. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you keep messing with. I'm Jesus, who you keep trying to run out of the cities. I'm Jesus, who you keep locking up in jail. If you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me, whom you are persecuting. I want you to imagine waking up one morning and, and, and all the criticism and the anger you, you had against the church and, and, and Christian, et cetera, and you realize all that anger was really anger against God. Then God said, he said, and last time we talked about this, I mentioned this. God's mercy is is amazing. You You know, in in the midst of Jesus dealing with Saul hurting his people, we find that God has concern for Saul himself. And he says, it's hard for you. He didn't say it's hard for me. You know what you're doing. You know how you make me feel. He says, Saul, It's hard. For you. And some people may seem like they have it all together. Because we are good actors. We know how to put on a show. Ain't that right? We know how to, to perfume it up or, or cologne it up and iron it up and, and button it up and, and we know you know how, how how to how to wash it up. You know, we, we know how to how to put it on. But the Lord saw underneath. It's like, you know, everyone thinks you have it all together, but underneath it all, yes, keeping up that front, keeping up that facade, is really, really hard, ain't it, Saul? Yes, it we can fake a smile, but we can't fake our real feelings. Yes, and we around other people, we can put it on. When we get alone and by ourselves, we know the real deal. And God looked at Saul and said, it's hard for you, boy, ain't it? I know the show you put on. I know the religious, you know, uh, uh, parade you put on every day. But I know what's really, really happening. Here's the deal. Let me tell you something. Lie to everybody else, but don't lie to yourself and don't lie to God. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, we know that a goad was a stick, a pointed stick that farmers use. To, to make an ox do what it was supposed to do when it didn't feel like doing what it was supposed to do. So, you know, just like you have reins on a horse, you might swat it. I don't even know if that's illegal. I hope Peta or, or whatever, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I don't know what you do with horses anymore, okay? But uh, back in the day when I used to watch cowboy movies, you were able to pat the horse, okay? So uh, with, with that said, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you, you poked the, 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 the ox. But if the ox had an attitude, and many times they did, it would kick into it and if it did it was in for a world of hurt and 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 it was it was basically like getting mad and punching a spear not realizing you're only hurting yourself so you know that that again that you have that stick and if the ox you know kicked into it it, it would pierce his leg and, and many times that's what we're doing to God we're only hurting ourselves we're not hurting God. We're not even hurting a spear. We're, we're not hurting a farmer. We're hurting only ourselves, fighting and resisting God. What's the point? He's going to win anyway. He might as well just lay down and say, well, I surrender. What's the point of the fight? You're just wasting time and energy. Ain't going to get hurt for nothing. So Saul, this big tough guy, Saul, throwing men and women into prison and, and going from city to city, chasing them down and making them blaspheme and all the rest of stuff. Trembling, trembling and astonished. And if God never frightens you, if God never surprises you, I'm not sure you really know him yet. So he trembling and astonished, confused, overwhelmed. But on top of it all, I know Saul was ashamed. When he realized what he had been doing. And ultimately, he was really fighting with God, not against people. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, can you do anything with a person like me? Can can you help someone like me? God, is there any hope for a person? Like me? Can you? Can you? Can you? Saul in his heart was like, Lord, if you want me to fast, I'll fast. If you want me to give, I'll give. If you want me to forgive, I'll forgive. Lord, if you want me to live in a remote village somewhere in in the Amazon, God, I'll go, I'll do it. But here's what I've learned. Brokenness is often... The path to breakthrough. I don't like that. I wish it were not so. But it's often only when I get to the end of myself that I really look up to God for help. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I said the last time we taught about this, the greatest questions. That need to be answered in your life. Two questions: God, who are you?" and "What do you want me to do?" And if you want to live a full life, until you answer those two questions, who's God? And God, what do you want me to do? How then shall I live? How, what do you want me to do with my life? Until you answer those two questions, you can speak in tongues as long as you want. You can read as many books. You can memorize verses. You will not know peace, joy. You will not understand or be able to really experience the fullness of your, 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 your purpose. Now, I want to fast forward 30 years later. And listen to what Paul says as an apostle, 1 Timothy 1 and 1. Again, Saul has become Paul. He's, you know, he uses both names, but in the Bible, he's when he finishes signs letters, it's always Paul. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. He was flooded with grateful memories when he thought about what happened to him on that road to Damascus that day though it left him trembling though it left him confused though it left him blind for a moment he was grateful i thank Christ Jesus our lord who has what enabled me when we really turn to god he will give us the ability to do whatever he might ask i'm a living witness Why? Because he was talented. Because he was smart. No, because he founded me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. God knew that Paul would live a life of gratitude. A life of thankfulness. A life feeling indebted to God's mercy. And he was so deeply ingrained because he knew of his wickedness. And the reason people leave the faith is not always because they don't have a revelation of God, but often because they don't have a revelation of sin. Until we realize how messed up, how broken, how much God had to do to love us, until you realize that you don't deserve a doggone thing. You hear what I'm saying? You aren't entitled to anything but a devil's hell. Until you realize the wretch that you are. You will never be grateful. You'll never understand others' praise. You'll never get why we worship the way we worship. The reason we worship, because I know that while I was a sinner, Christ loved me, died for me. You hear what I'm saying? When I didn't have answers, he gave me answers. He knew that as he pulled that man out of the brokenness, he would live a grateful life. And many times, the reason I don't turn is not because I don't feel like it. It's easier to go with everybody else. The reason I don't turn is, Lord, I can't do that to you. And you snatched me out of that dirty, nasty pit. You hung up on that grave, down that, that cross, God. Went in the tomb. You came down our... For my little comfort, God, I can't do that. I'm too grateful, God, for your goodness in my life. I'm too grateful, God, for your patience in my life. I will not stab you in the back that way, oh God. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, gave me power to do all that I do because he counted me faithful, not smart, not talented, but what? Faithful. Stop trying to be so slick. Just be faithful in the thing that God's assigned you to do and watch him promote you, watch him promote you. You won't have to do it from the flesh. Most don't come from the east west. It comes from God.
2: This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Rear. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. We invite you to meet us online for vibrant worship and strong Bible teaching each Sunday and Wednesday on social media or gracechurchva.org. You can also tune in to the Live Big broadcast on television. So check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.